Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. The time is TBD, but you know where we'll be. My name is Kathleen. And my name is Angela, and we are your TBD hosts. Thank you all for stumbling upon this podcast, but also for sticking around and giving it a listen. We are presenting the second episode of our theater series. As we mentioned in the first episode, we have invited guests who are professionals in the theater industry. To reiterate, the goal of this series is to foster a better understanding of what it means to pursue a career in theater, but also to map out a foreseeable future for those who are passionate about this field. For our second episode in the two-part series, we have Damon Benetti and Charlotte Northeast. So, we are so excited to have with us Mr. Bonetti and Miss Northeast, who are both actors and directors. Um, so, my first question for you guys is, did you guys both major in theater? And uh, if so, tell us about your experience. And if not, um, did that affect you, like, going into the, like, theater path? Sure. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks for having us on your podcast. I don't know. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I mean, um, I didn't major so much as theater because I didn't go to college. I went to theater school. Um, so I went to Circle in the Square uh, Theater School in New York, uh, which is a two-year professional development program. So you leave uh, with a certificate, um, and it's one of the most intense programs you could do. Um, and I don't regret one second of being there. It was very intense. The only drawback is that I didn't walk away with uh, those those fancy letters next to my name that allow me to do things in sec- post-secondary education. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where I received my training. But Damon Dick took a different path. Yeah, like I never did any, I never did any theater in high school. Oh. So after high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I went to a community college. And so I went to Gloucester County Community College and I took an acting class. And then as the old saying goes, got bit. And so I finished up two years at, at community college and then I transferred to Allentown College which is now to sales university. And so I got my, my undergraduate education there in theater and in acting. And then, uh, and, and, you know, it was a great school. And I went there because Pennsylvania Shakespeare festival is part of uh, as part of the school. And so I was able to apprentice there for a couple of years and, and meet a lot of professionals. And then, uh, and then I became a professional and then I started working. And then, uh, I became a member of the actors union for equity, uh, for the first stage. And then once that happened, I started to go on bigger auditions with people that I felt were better trained than I was. And so because of that, I decided that I needed, I felt like I needed more training. So I decided I wanted to go to grad school. And so I did ERDAS, which is which is the University Resident Theater Association. And you audition for them and you audition in front of like 40 schools. And then I was called back by a bunch and then narrowed it down. And then I ended up going to Florida State University, the Oslo Conservatory. And so I got my MFA in, in acting performance there. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I felt like, you know, I had a good base with my undergrad education, but I felt like it wasn't enough to to carry me forward in my career. And so with my grad school education and with the experiences that I had there and then working uh, on the main stage there and mm-hmm. then going to England because I sent us over to England to study for a couple months and working with some great people over there. Like that experience was great. And the lessons I learned there are things that I use every day as an actor and things that I use as a teacher, um, as a professor of acting. Mm, Okay. So do you teach, uh, so like, tell us a little bit about like what you do now and um, how that relates back to theater. 
sure. It's all theater, Catholic. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, one of the things, and I'm sure you found this bit maybe talking to other uh, uh, theater professionals, is mm -hmm. that you don't have one job, you have 35. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I do is I work as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, right now, in a few weeks, I'll be starting rehearsal playing Duke Orsino in Twelfth Night. So that'll be at the Lantern Theater in Philly. So I'll start rehearsal for that. I just did a, an independent shoot uh, last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I start rehearsal for a reading, a stage reading this week. That'll be at the Jewish Museum in Philly. That's the acting stuff. In addition to like doing self-tape kind of stuff. Um, directing. So I just mentioned that like, oh, we were talking before we started recording that like I'm looking for a play to direct next year at Rutgers Camden. Mm -hmm. So because I teach at Rutgers Camden, I teach a bunch of different classes there. I direct one show a year and I also teach at Drexel University. In addition to all of that, I also run a theater company in Philadelphia called mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Artist Collective. And the company has been around since 2008. Uh, I'm the producing artistic director and we are starting re rehearsal this week for a brand new adaptation of Jane Eyre that my company commissioned. And this one sitting next to me is Plain Jane. Wow. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm part of the uh, writing team that's, we, there's four women who helped write that or adapt the novel into a brand new adaptation. So I was part of the writing team and Plain Jane. So, yeah, it's, uh, I find that my acting training is in all of my so-called survival jobs, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm an actor, uh, a director, a dialect coach. Um, I'm, uh, what else do I, I teach, I, I, I do coaching on the side, um, but my survival jobs over the years have been varied. Uh, one of them, I was, I was a paralegal for uh, what, almost 15 years. So I worked at a bunch of law firms and a stock exchange. And so, but even then I was using my acting training because you know, you're being asked to analyze complex situations, being asked to write and, uh, you know, form an opinion um, and communicate. And that's all acting. Um, all of that comes from that training. And I don't think I would have been as successful as I was in those survival jobs without that that training. Um, but an interesting pandemic side job that I picked up that I'm still doing is I write romance novels. Um, which is interesting because as an actor, we're all about dialogue. And I often get notes from my editors like, you write dialogue really well. I'm like, yeah, because that's what we trade in as actors. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, my characters, when they're romancing each other, are very good at talking to each other, apparently. I don't know. So, yeah, acting sort of infused, I think, every job we've ever had, uh, whether we're on a stage or not. It's always kind of there. Mm. So... Do you guys both do like acting and directing or is it like? Yeah, we both do. Um, Damon uh, was directing, like we both direct uh, off and on a lot, uh, but Damon was directing a lot more than I was. And then a few years ago I got tapped to do something and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and it's funny cause we're complete opposites in the way we approach things, both as actors and directors. Like Damon as a director is the coolest customer you ever want to meet like the set could be burning the whole world could be falling apart and damon's like it's bad you know but as an actor he's like and i'm the complete opposite if if like i freak out at the littlest thing if i'm a director but as an actor i could be like nah, it's fine like <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're complete, we're complete opposites. Um, we've directed each other, which is always interesting. I don't recommend it. <laughs> don't do it. It's a different dynamic. Don't do it. You Find have, someone else. You have to learn. You have to learn how to communicate in a different way and put ego in like a weird spot. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been directing quite a lot actually the last last year or so. Sure. So um, we we definitely split our time between the two disciplines, which mm -hmm. is which is great. How do you guys think like the relationship between an actor and director is like? Like, is there any way you could describe that? Yeah, I mean, it's there isn't like one way that relationship is. Mm -hmm, yeah, just, just like with people, relationships are different. It's the same thing with the director and an actor. I think taking it from the director perspective, um, I think a really good director is very good at figuring out how an actor works because some people work slower than others some people are ready to jump right in and because of that you can't talk to each actor the same way each actor has a different way of working each actor has a different way you need to communicate with them as an actor um i like to work with the director who doesn't rush me because i'm a little bit i'm a little bit more analytical when it comes to the work that i do so when I have a director that's impatient, uh, that I usually don't do well with that person because uh, I can't. I need to figure out a few things before I can kind of jump in, and then I craft and then I craft the performance. Um, not saying that I can't work the other way, but if I start to get like an impatience from a director, I, I start going like, and just like let me do my work. Um, whereas like when you work with somebody who who. Uh, understands that and like is able to kind of like guide you in certain ways um i'm not usually somebody who asks a lot of questions because i usually ask those questions of myself as an actor um and i usually go to the director more about specific moment kind of things uh or like working in a scene with somebody with the director suggesting things oh you know it'd be great if we like what if this happened here and then I cross on this line and this, and then you throw me the thing here and then I fall backwards, you know, then we, we, we figure out like, I love all that kind of logistic and all that kind of playing in the room. Um, yeah, but how about you, Sean? Well, I mean, it's funny because again, Damon and I are very, very different uh, artistically. Um, so I like to call Damon a Lego builder as an actor. He's, he, he, he takes each brick and he stacks them on top. And then by opening night, you've got this beautiful, well-crafted, you know, uh, really surprising and wonderful construction. Whereas I'm like a, let's throw everything at the wall and see what happens kind of um, actor. And so when we, day one, you're gonna see me fly out of the gate and Damon's gonna be, you know. And so as a director, if I was on the other side of that, I, I'm looking at two different approaches. I've got to figure out the language for the Lego builder versus the, throw it at the wall person and I have to I have to navigate that and I have to speak to their strengths um so as actors it's always interesting because we're in different modes we eventually get to the same place mm -hmm. um so I I often find that you know learning language is the, the the first two weeks of a director's job learning each person's language and allowing space in a room for an actor to organically make a discovery because nothing 
hits as deep or as real as an actor making that discovery for themselves. So you just kind of have to lead them very gently to it. And if they make that discovery on their own, it's so beautiful to watch, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of shoehorning them in that direction. Um, I, I will say as a director, I'm often, I, I have a lot of ideas in my head. And the, the first thing I learned as a director was you need to let that go to a certain extent. The show will never be what it is in your head. 98% of the time, it will be better because you've got the gift of good actors giving you what's in their head. And you have to be okay and open to accepting what they give you. And oftentimes they're gonna give you gifts every single time. So if you learn their language and take that time to talk to Lego builders, wall throwers and everything in between, uh, you'll often get a, a really great experience. So I think I think that's what I've learned as a director as and as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, we're very different. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like the tortoise and the hare. Yes, <laughs> I'm the hare. Right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so what is like kind of the time commitment like doing um theater like professionally? Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it really depends on the job. You know, you could do things. You could do things as an actor. You could do things as an actor for like one day, where you're on a, on a set. And you'll, you'll be shooting something. And in that one day, you'll make as much as you would do working three weeks at a theater company. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're, we're you know, it, it, it all varies. And every mm -hmm. theater company pays differently. Every, every shoot you're on pays differently. Every university, and when you're, when you're teaching as a professor, pays differently. Mm -hmm. um, so the time commitment really depends on, on the project you're working on. It could be something as simple as we're doing a reading, we're just going to show up. And we're going to give you 25 bucks and we're going to have pizza. Uh, and it's like, that's a professional gig. And it's like, you have me a pizza. <laughs> uh, where I, but then you could be working at a, at a theater company like, like the Walnut Street Theater, which is, a, you know, a, like a full-time theater company. So you, you would do a show there and you're working like a job. So it's like 40 hours a week uh, for a number of weeks in rehearsal. And then for the most part, once the show opens, you're running eight shows a week or possibly nine with an added ninth show um so it's a, it's really a balancing act and for us as a family because we have a, an 11 year old even right before this we were just um we were talking because charlotte is actually going away on a gig in the fall so Ooh. she'll be away for about a month so but during that time like there was a possibility that i could do something during that time but charlotte got her gig first <laughs> so <laughs> so the thing that i that i could possibly do I can't really do because it's going to take up too much time and we've got the boy. So, so. I mean, it, there's this, there's this thing about acting or when you get a gig that you kind of have to weigh three, three things. One is like, what's the money, what's the time and what's the thing that feeds your soul. Yeah. And oftentimes you kind of have to have two of three in order to take the gig, I think, because it's rare. I think you'd get all three, right? Like rare. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is great money, but uh, the script, bleh, you know, or wow, this time commitment is, bleh, you know, so you, you kind of have to do the, the weighing of those three aspects, um, you know, and when you have a kid in the equation, that really changes a lot of your thinking as well, especially when he was little, little, we had to do a lot of deep thinking on that. But I will say this, and, and this is me getting, a, I, I'm from Philadelphia. 
So this is me getting on the Philadelphia soapbox, which is, I don't know any other city where we know so many people that work as, as not just actors, but as designers, as artists, where they own a house and have a family and are able to do the stuff that they love. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I've got friends that are that, you know, in other cities up in New York and stuff where they might not work as much as that as they used to, because now they got a full time job because this job that was kind of like the job paying the bills is now they got a promotion and now they're doing that. And well, their now, rent is forty six hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And now they got to pay the rent. So, yeah. like, you know, that that cool little gig that I did where I got twenty five bucks and paid and got and I ate pizza. You know, they can't couldn't do that because mm -hmm. they could afford maybe to take off to do that. But then because I did that twenty five dollar reading with the pizza, all of a sudden I got asked to do the production next year and yeah. I got a production out of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are the, the trade offs that you have to try to figure out because you have to figure out your cost of living like anything. You have to figure out your cost of living and how you want to live. Yeah. So there are folks that are totally cool with paying four hundred a month to live in a bedroom up in New York with eight roommates um, because they're, they're trying to make the dream come true. And maybe I could have done that because everyone out there in podcast land, you can't see us. Uh, and maybe we sound young, but we're not anymore. <laughs> um, and so because of that podcast land, podcast land people, um, if I was in my 20s, maybe like I'd take that. We did that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we do that thing where it's like we're paying like 400 a month and living then, on fries for dinner. Yeah, I did that. It was great. Box mac and cheese. I can't do that anymore. But, uh, <laughs> you know, now we have an 11 year old. So yeah. cats and cats. Oh, oh, um, did your 11 year old do theater? <laughs> Baby's first musical was this past year. Um, oh. He uh, he never really, it's funny, he's 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 been a theater brat his whole life because like he's lived in a lot of dressing rooms and green rooms and he's, you know, he's he kind of gets it. I mean, he's seen his mother covered in blood carrying a dagger around. He's just like, hey mom, like he's just, you know. Um, but he never, it was never something he aspired to do. He, he wants to be an engineer, still wants to be an engineer, which yes, do that. Um, but uh, he, he started middle school and they had the middle school musical and out of the blue, he said, I want to audition for it. And it was a really tough audition. They had to do a dance call and a singing call and sides and the whole thing. And he had professional coaching. So that was cool. Um, but he was in the ensemble for, for Matilda Jr. And it was intense. They rehearsed like three, four times a week. And it was a really good show. And I think he really enjoyed it. He I, loved it. I don't think it like pushed him into now I want to be an actor. But I think he was like, that was cool. I think I might audition for the next show next year. Um, so I think if anything, he'd be a director. He likes telling people what to do. <laughs> Although he did do a he did do a Zoom reading with a professional he theater did. company in Philly. Yeah. And he was very, very good. And like I'm gonna say something now that 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 no one right here knows. But uh but the director of that theater company, uh, I was talking to the other day and wants to do another reading of it. <gasps> in june i had this is brand new to me brand too. new information and so and i'm going to be reading in it now because i wasn't in it before and and jules is going to read the little boy so <gasps> that's, yeah. that's a scoop you just got a scoop i know <laughs> i can't say the company i can't say the name of the play is, is that is that your first gig like together yeah 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 Gosh. i think so 
Yeah, because when the last time they did the Zoom reading, um, I was just kind of there as the handler. <laughs> and so Jules was, and Jules played the little boy. But uh -huh. this time I'll be in it. Wow. Well, yeah, that'll be fun. I had no idea. We're both finding I forget. this out. I, just, uh, I forgot to, to mention with you. That yeah. is a scoop. Look yeah, yeah. I know. Thanks. Yeah. Communication's a key part of marriage, right. apparently. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you guys have... um? A favorite production that you guys have done um together or just in general? just just individually or together um uh uh as a director um i directed a show uh it's from 1613 but i adapted it into well i, ad I mean, adapted the language but i adapted i you know cleaned it up a little bit it was a play called fair maid of the west and it was about a pirate queen oh, and it was redonk and it was super silly and and just and there was swashbuckling in it and there was like and there was a, like a king and there was just ah and it was just a really lovely fun wonderful experience and because we did it with like seven dollars we had like literally seven dollars to do it and we had to build a ship we had to get really really creative and so at one point, you know how on the, the, the front of a ship, there's always that like beautiful masthead thing, yeah. of, like, usually yeah. a woman like, Wee. Um, well, I wanted a mermaid. And so we put a mermaid on a backpack and we made an audience member sit there with a backpack on and it was the prow of the ship. <laughs> and it was oh my so gosh. ridiculous. And it was, it was just one of those like joyously wonderful, people left the theater smiling and that was all I wanted to do. Uh, was make people really, really happy. And uh, so that that stands out as one of my directing uh, best mm -hmm. memories. As, as an actor, I have way more, but that that one, that one really stands out. What about you, Dee? I think uh, uh, as an actor, the one that I, that I think about is I did a play called um, Becky Shaw uh, at Montgomery Theater. And it's a nasty little play. And, and I play a character who's kind of a no-nonsense truth teller but he's also lying to himself at the same time um and it's great he's got all the best lines he's really fun it, it it's a great range of of emotional valleys and peaks that you go through and i loved it i, I just love doing that show i just love playing that role um and it's like the one thing that charlotte never saw i never do. got to see it yeah because she was in a show at the same time and i, I loved doing that show yeah and then as a director um, I'll just talk about like one that just popped up like in memories on Facebook today. Oh, yeah. So I directed a, a play called Changes of Heart by uh, by a French playwright named uh, Pierre de Marivaux. And it's very, very funny. It's a very, very funny play. But I also like to like when I'm directing a show, break hearts. And it's got a moment and it's very funny and it's, all this kind of stuff happens. And then two characters who thought they were in love with each other um realize that they aren't in love with each other and like she married and she gets married to the prince and so the guy who's he's, he's Har he's harlequin like the the character harlequin mm -hmm. you know realizes that oh like she's gone and he's like ah you know what i'm gonna be okay and i'll be back and i'll be better than ever and he turns around and he sees the two of them kiss uh behind him and he just turns back and his last line is hold on heart because his heart's falling apart and then at the end, <laughs> what ends up happening is that he sort of actually has fallen in love with, with this one's character. And so we choreographed, we said it in the 1920s. And so we choreographed this beautiful little slow dance because I had a live piano player on stage. 
And so he sang this beautiful song called Out of Nowhere, which was a Bing Crosby song. And, and so they danced to this lovely little piano tune. And I just remember because the actor who played Harlequin, Dan, is so much taller than Charlotte. <laughs> so and as they dance, it was a point where <laughs> he lifts her up so that they're dancing. And Charlotte's feet were off the ground. <laughs> so it was really funny, but it was also a hit you here because he was holding on to her because he needed her in that moment. And then the very end of the play, they sit on a bench and Harley Quinn still doesn't get it yet. And he just kind of goes like, puts his head on her shoulder. And that's how the, and that's how the play ends. It's just oh. really lovely and just just yeah that was a fun show yeah. i could never remember the lines because jules was a baby and yeah. i had like mommy brain <laughs> so i was like i'd come out on stage and just be like word salad and like <laughs> words would come out but it wasn't quite right <laughs> well you know like that's a like a lovely moment <laughs> act one ended with harlequin going everyone's been trying to get him to eat food and he's like, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. And then at the end of Act One, he goes, I was hungry the whole time. And he puts oh. it and, goes, and goes, hit it. And like a march music happens. And then he's leaving. And as, as he's leaving, the butler's holding open the door. And he takes his hat. And then he nails the butler's crotch with it. And the, crotch <laughs> fall, and the, the butler falls over. And that's how Act One ends. <laughs> Wait, so you directed this play? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a super fun show. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to direct? Um no um because the, the the collaborators were so good so mm. it was it was seven really great actors who were game and totally fun and one of the you probably heard this before and i'm sure uh matt maybe might have, matthew might have talked about mr campbell might have said something about this <laughs> um you know but, but a great portion of acting a great is i'm sorry of directing is casting and if you've cast the right actors in the role then they always say that's like 90% of your directing because mm -hmm. they're going to bring exactly what you need. And yeah. then not that that's the whole thing, but you know, the collaborative process works out so well. It doesn't feel like work if it's, if it's a great mix. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, that was, a, that was a, most, most shows are, most shows have been fun. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a really fun one. That was a really fun one. <laughs> do you guys just do plays or have you guys done like musicals too? I've done two musicals in my life. <laughs> Which ones? Well, I did. Uh, well, I did uh, leader of the pack in high school, so I don't think that really counts. But I, I worked at a dinner theater for a hot second in Florida a million years ago, and uh, I was in the costume department and they were doing Grease and Grease is the only musical I've ever wanted to do. I don't know. Wow. And I was like, I begged them. I was like, can I audition for Frenchie? I just wanted to play Frenchie. I just love her. <laughs> also, she doesn't have a solo, so that's fun. Mm -hmm. And I can French inhale. Don't tell anyone. Anyway, um, so I was like, can I can I audition for Frenchie? And I got it. And I was like, the thing is, I found out very quickly, I'm not a good dancer. So it was very terrifying. <laughs> She did great. I, the only thing I insisted, I asked for a a different wig in every scene. So Frenchie always had a different colored wig, and it was it was hilarious. And I I had I had a lot of fun doing that. I I'm not good at musicals, but Damon has a goal. Oh, you have yeah, a goal. I'm 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 not a put it into the universe. Sure, sure. Uh, I because I don't do I don't I haven't done a musical really since since uh, undergrad. Although I did a couple years ago do a play at the Walnut Street Theater called Civil War Voices, which did involve singing. And but the cool thing was 
I play guitar and I play banjo and I play and I play uh, percussion. So it was a, it was one of those plays where all the actors also play all the instruments. So I had a great time doing that and getting to sing a little bit. Uh, but I was definitely definitely uh, I always had to keep telling the rest of the guests, thank you, thank you for dealing with me. Thank you, thank you for putting up with my lack of singing ability. But um, but I want to start taking voice lessons. I meant to start taking them at the beginning of this year because mm -hmm. I have a goal to be in a musical next season. Oh, uh, I don't know which one. He's manifesting it. Just yeah, I'm just it putting it out there. Yeah, and I don't need to be the lead because I'm not going to be the lead. But you know, if I could be, I don't know, the guy Johnny One on, Solo. Yeah, you know, sings, <laughs> has like one line, yeah. and then uh, you know, and then acts stuff. <laughs> so, oh my god, that's and great. sing chorus stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. Were you guys uh, theater kids in uh, in high school? I was. Yeah, I started. My first role was when I was twelve. Oh. Um, yeah, I didn't. I wanted to be a librarian, which is ironic because I work part time at a library now. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I wanted to be a librarian, and then um, I got cast in The Miracle Worker as Helen Keller, and, and I was like, what? Um, so yeah, I, I started theater at 12, and I was in shows all through high school, um, and then went to theater school, and at 18, I was in New York, and uh, that was it. That was how I started, but you started a little bit later. Yeah, I was never interested in theater in high school. So <laughs> I didn't, um, I was in band. So I played drums and band, and then I played guitar and jazz band, and I had my own rock band. So oh. I was all band, band, band. It was all music. So yeah. So out of all the productions I've done, I've been asked this question like like ninety percent of the time. But like, if you guys were a kitchen utensil, which one would you be, and why? The f okay, without knowing at all why this popped in my head, I whisk. Uh, because you can put it in a bowl and then fling it at a wall and I don't know, things happen. I don't know. That's what my answer is. My utensil. <laughs> a spoon. A spoon. A spoon. Oh. Because you can't you can't eat soup with a fork. Um, but yeah. you can you can eat anything with a spoon. You can yeah. cut things with a spoon. That's true. A spoon. I'm a whisk. <laughs> yeah. Now I have fun with your eggs. <laughs> what do you guys um what do you guys love about theater that uh, keeps you doing it? Um I love I love when you're you're in a room and and you're all on the cusp of something ridiculously uh, creative. Like I, I literally, I had a meeting yesterday with uh, a writer director friend of mine and we're building a show actually for Damon to be in. And we were, we kept doing this, like you can't, we can't see that, but, but we kept going and like ideas just kept like exploding in our heads. And so it was, it's that, it's that moment of always being on the edge of something and then like quick, get it on paper or do something with that. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it feels really alive. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's nothing so much as you know, you're just alive when you're creating. That's what creation is. So that's for me. And also the in jokes. I love in jokes. <laughs> Big fan. But <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's it's the collaborative process. It's it. We always talk about Philadelphia being kind of like its own big repertory company. Mm -hmm. So it's like you work with people a couple years ago and then you get a chance to work with them again. And, uh, you know, like there's production of Twelfth Night that I'm doing. I just got it like a few weeks ago. So I just saw the cast maybe about a week ago because I didn't know who was in it. And mm -hmm. I saw the cast and I was like, oh, 
it's a it's a bunch of it's a bunch of pals. So I'm like really looking forward to doing it because there's a bunch of people in there that I'm I'm great friends with, and then a few people that I don't know at all. So I'm looking forward to meeting those people. So you know that's that's always great. And then you know sometimes you get the opportunity to travel. Like I did I've done a few tours and then done some regional stuff. Um, Charlotte's going to be doing the show up in in the fall. So mm-hmm. I've never been to the theater that she's going Neither to. Right. <laughs> it's up in Connecticut. So it's like well. You know, me and the boy will take a ride up there and go up there for a weekend and see her in the show. Mm-hmm. Check out Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of wrap everything up, is there any uh, word of, of advice you would give um, theater kids at Lawrenceville who, um, you know, maybe aspire to be in the industry or uh, don't know where their place is, you know, yet in theater, but want to be involved? Um. It sounds really silly and trite, but a, a, a really good friend of ours, uh, Dan Hodge, he says this a lot, and, and I, I have taken it on as a philosophy. Remember, it's called a play. Mm-hmm. It's not called a work. It's not called a thing. It's it's called a play. And mm-hmm. that's the joy you should bring to every part of the process is to play. And if it doesn't feel like that anymore, then maybe you need to reconsider where you find that joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, I keep having these conversations with myself. You know, the pandemic was hard. Uh, but yeah, remember it's a play and what mm-hmm. that word means. It's a verb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say for like, you know, for for folks that, that are still trying to figure out their place and, and what, what they want to do, do everything. You know, try everything. Try try working backstage. Try doing carpentry. Try being a master electrician. Try acting. Try directing. Try assistant directing. Try dramaturgy. There's so many different jobs in theater that you might fall into the one that's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many people that I know that maybe might have started as actors uh, and now are great costume designers or great technical directors. Um, just because you start doing one thing doesn't mean that's going to be the thing you end up doing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, you know, specifically for for folks that are actors is to remember that. And this is like goes into the audition process is that as the actor, you're responsible for your role. You're not responsible for the other person's role. You're not responsible for like what the director's doing. Your job is your role. So, you know, know your role. Uh, and like any kind of thing, I always say, you know, show up on time, which means be there early. Mm-hmm. Uh, know your lines and be nice to everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the most important thing because this, this business is very, very small. And you want to be known as somebody who's a great person uh and a great artist you know because because like that person will be will get work that mm-hmm. person is somebody that people want to talk with to people want to work with people want to collaborate with so mm-hmm. yeah be and, and be a great collaborator okay oh well thank you guys both for being on my podcast um this was so great thanks for uh, having us and that's all for this episode we hope you enjoyed this two-part series Have we convinced you to be a thespian for life? Are you more excited to take on theatrical endeavors? We hope so! Make sure to follow us on Spotify and our Instagram at TBD Podcast, no spaces, and the O in podcast is a zero. As always, our next episode is TBD, but you know where we'll be. See you guys next time!